I have a scripture today that has just been on my heart. Um, and if you're like me, you know this scripture. If you've had the word, you know the scripture. And the word of God says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Found in Philippians 4 and 4. Can you turn there, please? Philippians 4 and 4. It just simply says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I have a simple message for you today. And the message is titled, Keeping Your Joy. Keeping Your Joy. Amen? Amen. It's easy to express our thanks to God on the heels of great victories. <laughs> or after receiving news of miraculous breakthroughs on your behalf. When things are going well, we as believers tend to bless the Lord and praise his name for obviously doing things that we feel are good in our lives. Thank you, Jesus. You finally got it right, God. <laughs> Some folks who really want to say thank you even, you know, may start out praising God or shouting or cut a step on the way to cash in their check <laughs> or receiving some unexpected good news or financial blessing because, you know, we all like money. Or when things seem to be going right for us in the right direction and, you know, in our career or, or in a relationship but what we see here in this verse, saints, it says that we are called to rejoice in the Lord always. Always rejoice. That means we do this in the midst of good times. Oh, come on, somebody. And we do this in the midst of struggles. We do this when things are going well. And when we are in seasons of great difficulty, the truth is there is always something to celebrate even when times are difficult. But the catch is finding things to celebrate may prove to be a difficult task depending on what you're focused on. As long as there is breath in my body, as long as God is still on the throne, there's always something we can thank God for. And can I get a witness? Amen. <clears throat> but sometimes if you're like me and we dwell on the negative, and I feel fearful of what could terribly happen to you um, or happen to us, we can create a general sense of impending doom. And there will be a weightiness or a heaviness that can overtake you. But if you focus on the goodness of God, 
the cloud will begin to lift and something will happen to you and your heart and the way that you see things. Your perspective will begin to change. Amen? There's a word that we use, and it's not, you know, technically a musical term, but there's a word that we use in music studios, and it's really important. The word is called calibration. To calibrate something. Amen? Uh, It means to correlate the readings of an instrument with those of, you know, a standard in order to check the instrument's accuracy. You check the gauges and you fine-tune things. You put things back to their intended setting. Amen. Amen. Calibration is important because it helps to assure accurate readings. Ah, or accurate measurements. Amen. In the studio, we go into a studio, we set our speakers up in the room. And we tune the room, we put soundproof on the room and all these things, and we put the music in and we create songs. But here's the thing, if you don't calibrate or recalibrate your speakers so that the sound that you're hearing is accurate, then the song will not be mixed right. You won't be able to trust what you're hearing. You end up with sound that has too much bass in it. Where the EQ and the treble in is off, where the mid-range is off. It just sounds funny. And you walk out of your studio and you think you got a hit. <laughs> and it sounds a mess. Beautiful song. But the speakers are lying to you. Why? Because the EQ is off, or you're not getting an accurate reading. We call it recalibration. Now, here's the thing. Meditating on God's goodness and voicing my gratitude to God helps to transform my perspective and recalibrate my mind. (laughs) Are you hearing me? So Philippians 4 and 4 says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, Rejoice. Rejoice. Rejoicing is good for you. It's a tool of recalibration. That means you rejoice. That means you rejoice. Re, R-E, means again. Means you do it again and again and again and again so that you don't get out of adjustment and your gauges get out of tune. Amen? The accuracy is off. Why? Because you have to rejoice over and over again. Amen? Joy over and over again. When Paul wrote this verse, Paul was in prison. So there was no way that he could escape or make moves in a way to save himself or free himself from the situation he was in. God allowed Paul, saved as he was, to be stuck in the situation where he couldn't get out. But even though his circumstances looked bleak and seemed like he was headed towards doom, there seemed 
seemed to be no escape, there was still a place that Paul could escape to in the spirit. Even with chains on and bars on the doors, there's still a place that I can go in the spirit where the, where the Lord will cause me to hold my head up and I can rejoice and rejoice and rejoice. The chains are on, the door is locked, but I still got a way out. <laughs> Hallelujah. It means to have joy again and again. Why does he tell us to rejoice? Because not just because of the situation we're in now or the situations we came from, but you don't know what you're going to be facing tomorrow. So we practice joy. Get up and remember to have joy. This is not something I've always done, saints. Somebody said, I need this. You know, it's December. And December is where everybody checks, out, checks up out of here. You know, folks that get depressed. They used to, you know, have Christmas a certain way. And now mama and them are gone. And daddy and them are gone. And your friends are gone. And, you know, the celebration's not the same. And, you know, and we're supposed to be focusing on Jesus, which is true. But let's be human. When we lose folks, when situations change and the rain starts to come down and, and we know we need the rain. Come on, it's California. We know we need it. But the sun's not shining and you get all of that in the combination and you start thinking about everything that's going wrong and focusing on everything that's not right in every relationship and all those things, people start to get depressed. And so there's got to be a way out. And the Lord is reminding us Rejoice, 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 always. Not only when things are going well, but when you're dealing with sorrow, when you're dealing with pain. So Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Let's change translation because I want to see, I want you to see something that, bless me. Uh, 4 through 7. Yeah, always be full of joy. Fourth verse says, New Living Translation. I say it again, (laughs) rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considering in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Verse six is the popular verse. We always, you know, we pray it and we, we state it and we say it. A lot of us can remember it from the King James Version. New Living Translation says this, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. We know that. We've heard that. This is what we do, though. We follow this formula, but we leave something out sometimes. We tell God about all our problems. Oh, we good for that. Lord, what you doing? Lord, are you sleeping? Lord, remember me. But there's a word I think we overlook here. And it says it right at the end of verse 6. It says, thankfulness. 
You see it? And thank him for what he's done. This is where I, and I believe sometimes we have missed it. Right? I'm praying, I'm complaining, but not thinking. I pray, I complain, but I forget to say thank you. Oh. And without thanking God, there's no peace. Look at what it says. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then, you see it? Don't miss anything in the ingredients, saints. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. You can't just give your prayer request and complain while you're waiting on God. Here's the thing, saints. We got to say thank you. And, then the, and when we say thank you, then it comes to peace. Are you seeing what I'm saying here? God, while we're waiting on God's perfect timing to answer our prayer, God gave us a secret weapon. He said, say thank you. Oh, and in thanks and gratitude, you become peaceful. It changes you. It guards your heart and your mind. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There are things that can happen that can come and zap your strength. Cause you to lose your strength and get weak in faith. And Psalm 46 and 1 says this, God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. He's help in the trouble. When you're in the trouble, God is our refuge and our strength. You need, if you're feeling weak, remember God is your refuge and strength. A very present, right now, God. Right now, God. In this season, right when I need him, he's there in my trouble. And in Psalm 23, we know it. Don't turn to it. Trust me, it's there. Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. So even in our prison cell situations where the Lord is not allowing you to escape, you know, there are things that God does. He covers us. Amen? He is our good shepherd. He covers us. He keeps us. He stays with us, right? And then every now and then, if you can see my hands, God does this. And he lets a few things slip through the fingers. Just enough. Not too much. Just every now and then he just... Doesn't mean he's gone. Doesn't mean he doesn't love us. But he allows some things that we cannot escape things we cannot get around, that job, <laughs> that supervisor. Lord, you know I need this job, but that, I'm telling you, Lord. 
If I didn't need the money, my, ooh. I'm coming in, it's Monday, and I got to put up with her again. Huh? You know? That hurt, that pain, that child. Can't get, can't get around it. Oh, somebody knows what I'm talking about. We tried, Lord. We did what we told to do. And then we can't get around it. You just, you know, something's got through. That relationship, whatever it is, goodness and mercy follows us, guess what? Into that pain, into that situation, into that job, into the, the dealings with the supervisor, into it. Are you hearing me, saints? God is with you. God will allow certain situations, so we will learn one mandatory truth, saint, and that is not to lean on anybody else or anything else. He's all we need. He is all we need. Jesus is with you. Philippians 3 and 1. Philippians 3 and 1. Whatever happens... My dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. He's saying it again. Same letter, different part. Over and over again. This is a common theme in this book. Whatever happens, rejoice in the Lord. And he says, I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. What? You catch that? Wait, wait. So the enemy uses bad situations to destroy your faith. God uses rough situations to test your faith. And Paul is being used by the Holy Spirit to teach us how to safeguard our faith. Are you hearing it? Paul's no longer here, but the Holy Spirit made sure that we would have this here. He made sure that we would have it so we, that it was written down so we could have it today. The key to standing against all that the enemy throws against you and safeguarding your faith is to get happy and get rejoicing and thankful in Jesus. Oh, I'm going through, Pastor. I know. I know. You don't know what it's like. You have no idea what I'm going through, Pastor. I, yes, that, that may be true. But in order to get through this time, the key to making sure that you stand against the enemy, yes, you should read your Bible. Yes, you should pray. And yes, you should thank God. Yes, you should rejoice. Yes, you should get happy in the Lord. Yes, you should focus on the Lord. Here's the thing, saints. I was... Thinking about my internal issues and some of the things I'm dealing with, and I believe the Holy Spirit put this on my heart. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord. What is true about Jesus that you know? What has Jesus done for you? What are his promises? Where are you headed in God? What has God done? How, how faithful has Jesus been to you? Huh? The joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, we may speak his name, but the other side of it is we need to start thinking about 
who Jesus is, what Jesus has done. Where's your joy? You got to focus on who Christ is, who he is, what he's done. He's coming back one day for his church. He promised I'd never leave you nor forsake you. One day this is all going to be over. Are you hearing me? The joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen. There was a lady I was watching an interview this week, and really pretty lady, uh, married twice to very successful, very successful men. One was an actor uh, slash comedian doing big movies, and that marriage failed. And the next man was a pretty famous football legend. And when you look at the lady, you're like, wow, she's beautiful. She's got everything going for her. And she said, many people envied me because they assumed that what I was driving and what I was wearing and who I was married to meant that everything was going well in my life. Ah. People were not having joy, so busy looking at what she had. <laughs> Saying, Lord, why couldn't you choose that for me? Why, could, why didn't I get that kind of husband? Why, didn't I, why doesn't my husband have this? And why, why can't I be a social? Why, why can't I, my husband have all the things that, you know, I, that, that she has? And she said people were losing joy looking at what she had, but she was miserable. Miserable. Now, at that time, she wasn't saved. And neither was her first husband. And she said her life did not turn around until she met Jesus. But she said something very key. She said, I had to make Jesus the focus of my life. Did you catch that? Here's a sidebar. Don't look at what everybody else's situation is like and envy them and say, Lord, my situation ought to be a lot better. You have no idea what folks are really going through. That family looks like they got it all together. You don't have any clue of what folks are really dealing with and how bad it is. They got bad seasons just like you. Are you hearing me? The truth is Christ is all we need. And if we don't make him the focus, then are the children that belong to Christ, he's going to shake things up. He loves those. You know, he chastens those that he loves. Amen? Those that belong to him. Deuteronomy 30, 31 and 8. Now I'm almost done. Deuteronomy 31 and 8. And the Lord, he it is, that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee. Neither forsake thee. Fear not. Neither be dismayed. Here's the thing, saints. You cannot put anything in God's place. Everything else, if it's not Jesus Christ, if it's in his spot, it will lead to disappointment. It's set up that way. God will not allow anyone to be first in your life other than him. 
one of the reasons why we have no joy is because things are out of place. Last scripture, and I'm done. Psalm 16, 8 and 9. This scripture has been ringing in my spirit. This is the prophetic psalm talking about Jesus and what all he was going to go through and how he endured all of that. The mindset that he had in order to go to the cross and complete his mission. David wrote, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. rejoices. My flesh shall also rest in hope. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. In the scripture, the right hand speaks of God's power, God's safety, God's honor, God's pleasure, God's favor, God's support system. Amen? It speaks of safety and security and all of the promises where God guarantees you blessings at the right hand. But what's the key? What's the key? I have set the Lord always before me. He's in a set position above everything else, everybody else. Every dream, every aspiration. There's no idol in his spot. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Then give me the same scripture, but the ninth verse, give me the NLT. I've set the Lord always before me. Give me the NLT because I want you to see this. You got it? Oh, come on. Maybe she missed it. Okay, it's okay. It's all right. The word here says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. And then in the NLT, it says, no wonder my heart is glad. <sighs> no wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. No wonder I'm feeling safe. Here's the blessing, saints. Keeping your joy will not work if you don't put Jesus in his proper place. If you reverse this and you put somebody else in his spot, then there will be no everlasting joy. There will be no consistency. There will be no heart full of joy. There will be no rejoicing, rejoicing, rejoicing because the wrong person's in the wrong spot. You got to focus on Jesus. I set him before me. So no matter what I go through, I know he is with me. And so I can be happy no matter what I'm dealing with because Jesus is before me. No wonder my heart is glad because he's my focus. Don't put anything else or anybody else before him. Remove all the idols out of your life and you will find that you will be able to rejoice. Rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. There are so many of us who have ideas about what we are entitled to. <laughs> and there are so many of us who don't know how to do life and things are getting a little interesting. <laughs> and there are some of us who, 
if you had some season, some years on you, you recognize that you did several decades of life not having joy. But did you ever realize that it was because Jesus wasn't in the proper spot? I don't know about you, but I spent a ton of my life and I had to recently, recently, saints, repent of putting people and things in his spot. And it changes your attitude because when you go through things, you don't have joy. Because those people can't walk you through the valley of the shadow of death. <laughs> those situations, those, those circumstances, those cars, those dreams, those aspirations, those whatever you're trying to have cannot walk you through the bad times. So there will be no rejoicing because the focus is on things and not him. Are you hearing me? So today, this morning, as God was changing my sermon, I had to repent to him and say to him, God, it's my fault. I did it. I put somebody else in some things and some wants and some desires and some material things, whatever it is, in your spot, in your chair. And I couldn't have joy consistently because I had to focus on the fact that you haven't been my focus. Oh, I say thank you when things are going well. <laughs> come on now, let's, come on, let's just be real. But when it's going bad, where's the joy? I will keep them in perfect peace if you keep your mind stayed on Jesus, right? Right? Amen. I'm done keeping your joy.